This episode of The Objective Podcast is all about, well, podcasts, and virtual museums, and research papers. We're going to cover a lot of ground today, so buckle up. Salutations, I'm Matt Shoemaker, and you are listening to The Objective, the educational podcast about engaging and content-rich strategies for the history classroom with a heavy dose of material culture and teaching with objects. On today's episode, I'd like to share a cross-curricular approach to research papers and my attempt to make them more than a one-trick pony. I work for a district that has always been supportive of me trying new things in the classroom and has trusted me as a professional to cover material appropriately. I realize not everybody has that same situation, but I've been very fortunate in that. Now, I also work with an awesome grade level team that consistently challenges students to improve and to own their learning. So about three years ago, the seventh grade ELA teacher, who you can follow on Twitter at the ELA Chick, uh, she and I started talking about sharing the novel Fever 1793 by Laurie Halls Anderson. Now what developed from that early conversation was a cross-curricular unit that's been repeated for three years and it just keeps getting better, or at least it runs more smoothly. Now the process changes a little every year about how we approach that, but here's the basic overview. So students take guided notes and they do some primary source work with me to provide an overview of England's American colonies and to give a little context to the possible research topics that they will choose from. Now I provide that list of possible topics for them, but I do encourage them to find something they will be interested in enough to spend about a month or more with the material. Now, in the past, I have also pushed some students toward topics that I believe they would gain a lot from. Uh, we have a very small African-American population, very small Latino population. Um, we do have some kids who, in middle school, in a very closed community, um, are struggling with LGBTQ things and issues, and, and they're not sure kind of how to, how to approach that. And so I've... I've kind of given some topics or given some suggestions for things that they could do uh, that may uh, boost their interest and boost their confidence a little bit. Um, but usually overall, I just leave it open for students to kind of pick what they're interested in. Now, we go old school for a few days and students are limited to physical resources only. So I do not immediately let them jump into the internet. Um, we do some work on digital citizenship and digital literacy, but we definitely need to do more topics. So we um, urge them to, you know, be aggressive and to be ruthless. Uh, use only what you need. Use only what you think is going to provide you with the most bang for the buck. So um, after they do that, they start to take notes and then take down bibliographic information. Now, we then, in social studies, return to business as usual. So we analyze related primary sources, we complete content challenges, and then we do activities to increase their knowledge um, that they will need for contextualization and corroboration of their research, which is a big part of what I'm looking for. 
Now, on the ELA side of things, they learn more about organizing their research, writing for an audience. They learn about proper citations, in-text, and creating bibliographies, and they spend a lot of time physically writing, peer editing, and rewriting. Now, at the same time, they begin reading Fever 1793. And if you haven't read it, it's a great read. Uh, students are really engaged in it. Um, it. It catches your interest early and it holds it to the end. And it's about this family that's caught in the middle of the yellow fever outbreak in 1793 Philadelphia, which is a fascinating story in its own right. Now it's awesome to hear um, how often our kids make the connection between what they read and then what they learn in history and, um, and our coverage of the characteristics of the colonies. You know? So it's nice when you can sometimes physically see uh, their eyes light up when, hey, I remember that, we've got this, this is where then this happens. So, so the conclusion of that whole process involves students transforming their paper from one that's read by teachers to something that the public could learn from. So I'm big on public education and, and getting what we're doing in class out to people. And so that's kind of where I'd like to spend the rest of today's episode. Now, the past two years, students created posters over their research and they presented poster sessions to their classmates. And I also invited teachers and administration. And, you know, the kids enjoy it. We, we split the class in half. We do it across two days. One day, the one half of the class is presenting to the other and, and guests and then we just flip it the next day. So, you know, the kids do a lot of work on that. They've enjoyed it. Um, my history lab class, which is kind of like a STEM-rich honors history course, they took their poster sessions a step further and we incorporated epidemiology and virology and we put a medical spin on the whole situation. Um, you know, we kind of framed that in the context of a zombie outbreak and so that was really high engagement and the kids really got into that too so not only were they presenting historical information but they were also presenting uh, medical information and what would we do if something similar happened today so you know that was that was a fantastic thing to see as well now um, these are fine activities and most students enjoyed sharing their work with other people um, Assessment scores proved that students really learned more during the whole process than when the research paper was just like a one-class standalone thing. This year, however, um, I wanted to share student research with a wider audience, so that's where podcasting and my love for material culture comes in. So I attended the Mornet Conference in October here in Missouri, which is just like a, a tech ed conference. And I went to a session by a guy named Josh Howard. And you can follow him at Josh C. Howard on Twitter. And he is an instructional technology facilitator for the Fulton School District here in Missouri. And his session was all about creating podcasts using Google Slides and the free YouTube audio library. So um, the link to his presentation is available on the blog, liveamericanhistory.blogspot.com. And I had wanted to try posting um, for a long time, you know, podcasting and posting it out there. And this method was just too easy, you know, to not try. So I, I had to use it somewhere. Plus, we would start our research project in November. So the timing was absolutely perfect. So 
Um, two days before the project, what we did is students got Chromebooks. We are not a one-to-one -one building. Uh, we have very limited technology, so it was in high demand. So I had to wait until towards the end of the, the project, which was towards the end of the semester. So students got Chromebooks. They found a partner with a similar topic, or if there was somebody they wanted to work with that did not have a similar topic, they had to decide on a theme that connected them. So um, one, one girl, she did her research on women in colonial America, and she found a partner that looked at the Salem witch trials. Um, uh, one that did not seem to go together at first was colonial games and sports and then medicine, but they found a common theme, and that is if you were injured playing games and sports in colonial America, uh, the medicine might do you more harm than good. So um, we found the people, they made a copy of the script, and then they started writing their podcasts. They also began finding music from the YouTube audio library. They downloaded it, they uploaded it into Drive. So uh, it, it has all kinds of copyright free music that you can use. Um, some of it you know, has attribution requirements, but, but very, very student friendly, lots of sound effects on there. And then we just practiced, practiced, practiced. And then the day of, Students would go to the Chrome Web Store. They would add the Screencastify extension. One partner becomes kind of like the sound person, and they're responsible for playing songs and sound effects. One partner has the script open and advanced it along. Now, I had some of my bigger classes and some of my classes where students maybe were gone on one or both of those days because we also had a gnarly stomach bug circling the entire community. So if if that was the case, I would sometimes loan them as a sound engineer to another pair, and you know that worked out really well too. So we um, we opened the scripts, we found a quiet spot, we recorded our screen, we saved it to Drive, um, created a title slide, and shared it all with me. So that was how it was supposed to work out. So some of the successes, first of all, it was, it was fun. The kids enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. The script worked really well for that. Um, the kids were not just pulling things out of the air to talk about it. It was, you know, it was well, it was well documented. The students listened to each other and they actually had conversations and it, it got them back into their research and it connected them to a broader theme and it connected it to other issues and I think the kids really found a connection in there that they wouldn't have just doing poster sessions or, or something like that. So the problems Screencastify only worked for about half of my students, and I might be generous in saying half. Um, some of them were just mysteriously blocked by administration, and then the YouTube audio library had the same problem. So about halfway through the day, I switched to voicethread.com, which were a few extra steps, but it, it really worked out well. And I also found that the three days I had allotted was not nearly enough time for the first time doing this. So we needed probably about a full week to knock this out the first time. Now, I also wanted students to work with objects some more, which we do quite a bit. And from the beginning of the year, we've done a lot of work with material culture and objects. But I wanted them to do something specifically with their research and the colonial regions. And so we decided on a virtual museum that they would create on Google Sites. So every student would be required to prepare an exhibit using material culture, 
that would describe the similarities and differences between the New England, Middle, and Southern regions, and we would host that on a central site along with their completed podcasts. Now, because of our podcasting problems, we are going to use one of our first days back in January to actually finish our podcasts and to create icons and then to add them to our virtual museum. I will be sharing the link to our museum and podcast out on Twitter, so if you are not following me and you want the link to that, definitely follow me at M underscore Shoemaker. That's at M underscore S-H-O-M-A-K-E-R. And I will be putting it on the blog, liveamericanhistory.blogspot.com, as well, as soon as we can get those taken care of at uh, the beginning of January. Now, if you go to the blog, there are tons of links connected to this episode, including grading rubrics, podcasts um, that I like to use in class, there's Josh Howard's Mornet session on podcasting with Google Slides, and some more. So thanks for tuning in to episode five of The Objective. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Um, you can also look for M. Shoemaker Teach on SoundCloud for new episodes. Um, I would love for you to share out how you use podcasts and student podcasting in your classroom. And I will talk to you next time on The Objective. Mm -hmm.